welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm your host, Kamisha Lucier. So glad to be here with you today, and I'm just believing God that he's blessing your life and blessing our time together. My beloved is here, and we are looking forward to getting into the Word of God with you today. Before we get started, let's pray. All those rhyming words. <laughs> <laughs> Totally unintentional, but God is faithful. Amen. Holy Spirit, we just love you and we thank you. Father, we acknowledge you, that you are God, that you are almighty, that you are sovereign, and that you rule in the affairs of men. Lord and Savior, we exalt your name and we lift you up. We highly exalt you because you're capable and able to handle every situation that we've ever faced in our lives, Lord, and so much more. We thank you for this opportunity to be always in your presence. And we thank you for the fellowship that we have with you, Lord Jesus, and with each other. Lord, bless our time together. Minister to and through us. Let your perfect will be done here. Let your kingdom come and be set up and established on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day everything that we need, our daily bread, and we know that you are the bread of life and that we receive every word that proceeds from your mouth because that is what sustains us. That is what supplies us, and you are our source. Lord, reshed your love abroad in our hearts so that we have a fresh outpouring of your love, not only directed back to you, God, to have something to give to you, but also to disperse to one another, Lord. So we just thank you for that. We thank you for divine revelation and understanding. Lord, give me articulation of the things that you would have me to say. And the same for my husband. Let us speak your word forth clearly, Lord, with distinction and clarity and diligent focus on your objective here, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus, and we bind the hand of the adversary. We bind every distraction. We bind every attempt from the thief to steal, kill, or destroy, and we cancel that wicked assignment, and we cast down those things right now in your almighty name, Lord Jesus. We pray, and we thank you that it's already done and finished. Amen. Amen. All right. We are continuing with strategy. And we talked about in the previous episode to take the territory that's right in front of you. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about hindrances that would weaken your effectiveness. So I think we're going to end up titling this episode, Hindrances to Your Effectiveness. But what I'm really talking about is things that you would do to weaken yourself. We don't want weaknesses. We have strength in Christ Jesus now. And what I'm, what I really, I want to just fine tune and clarify this. It's not the weakness that Paul talked about when I'm weak in my natural capabilities, then his strength is made perfect. This is not that kind of weakness that I'm talking about. I'm talking about giving opportunity to the adversary, which causes you to be less effective in your strategy. It causes the strength that God has given you to be ineffective and it causes it to wane. So these are weaknesses that one would do to themselves and we need to identify them and address them to make sure it is not an opportunity that the adversary can exploit. Right. Ultimately it's just diminishing your capability. Right. And we right. don't want to do that because we're working super hard and the Holy Spirit is working hard to build it up so that you right. are strong. Now when you we I referenced to you what the apostle Paul said when he was the adversary had sent a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And we've talked about that um, recently. And what the Lord said was, my grace is sufficient for you. 
in your weakness and as in your natural ability to, when that is not effective, right? Because you cannot handle this in your natural strength, this is the opportunity for you to use the resources that I gave you. And by I, I mean with that, that the Lord provided. And we talked about that, that was spiritual warfare, that he was learning that lesson that Amen. you can't use your natural fist against a spiritual adversary. <laughs> and so um, keeping that clear, sometimes when we talk about the word of God, words are used and on the surface they sound they sound like the same thing but when you get down underneath it it's two totally different topics god wants us to be humble to him he wants us to lay aside our own ideas and our own agenda and our own strategies to take up that which he provides and then that is what makes us strong when we are weakened of our own capabilities, then we have an opportunity to be strong in him. But we're always encouraged to be strong because Christ leads us from victory to victory. He leads us in triumphant processional because of the strength that his, his name and his word provide in our covenant relationship with him gives us access to. However, there are things that you and I could do in our own lives that will cause us to be weak spiritually. And rendered we'll, ineffective. That's right. So then we'll, if we're weak spiritually and we try to engage in spiritual warfare, then we are not up to par and it's not going to go in our favor. So, and, and this whole, well, I mean, the whole series, but we're in the first part, right? Basic training, boot camp, green mm-hmm. team prep portion mm-hmm. of this is to become that warrior for the Lord that does the mm-hmm. Lord's will exclusively. Mm-hmm. So in tuned with him. Mm-hmm. That we understand his heart and are quick to go do what he has commanded us to do. Amen. Amen. And and back to the Apostle Paul for just a moment. While he may have appeared weak on the outside, getting beaten, and he couldn't stop himself from being shipwrecked and having to swim, and then the snake bit <laughs> his hand, he may have appeared weak on the outside, going to prison. But inside, he was a spiritual giant. Amen. Remember, we talked about the, the seven sons of Sceva that took it upon themselves to go try to use the name of Jesus without legal right, spiritual legal right to do so. And the wicked spirit responded by saying, Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but who are you? Okay. So Paul was a spiritual giant, even though it looked like on the outside, physically, he was of no renown in his stature. He Mm -hmm. wasn't like Samson. He wasn't like David. He wasn't anything to look at or to repute. Um, and he was frequently beaten, but God raised him up and delivered him and his strength was in the Lord. So as we are pursuing Christ and we were pursuing our journey of being developed so that we are sound strategically and spiritually so that we can do what the Lord is sending us to do. We don't want to disqualify ourselves as another way of thinking about this. So, honey, did you have anything you wanted to start lead off or say anything before we go to the next? No, let's let's get just right to the scriptures because okay. um, that way we can discuss them. Uh, I'll say almost not exactly a case study, all right? But mm-hmm. this seems to be a oh, well, actually, it's kind of a case study, even though yeah. it's not the official one, but, right? But, but the Lord keeps leading us in that way, so mm-hmm. let's let's get into the Word and, and discuss it. Amen. So, um, first, we're in Second Samuel. We're going to start in chapter eleven. I'll cover on verses one through five, which says, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. 
and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? Or Eliam, excuse me. The wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, and said, I am pregnant. Okay. It's a lot in there. A lot to break down. There's a lot in that first section. So, you may have heard this already, but David was out of place, right? And initially, when you think about that, like, hey, they won the fight. What's the big deal, right? But David himself was not where he was supposed to be. And I just want to touch back um, really quickly to what we talked about in operational warfare. And just to remind you, the Lord sends his trained warriors to a place, location, or situation so he can bring aid, assistance, or correction through his warrior. He needs us to give him permission, and he needs us to carry his presence into those places, locations, and situations where others need help so that they are able to access and connect with the power of God. So David was used to fight the Lord's battles, and he had a, a, a calling on his life, not so he could feel ooey-gooey and be important and special, but the Lord meant for certain work to be done through David. Amen. David was a warrior of the Lord. Just like he has certain work he desires to do through you. But you and I, right? Mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. We each have to be in the proper position or be positioned correctly in order to do that work. Exactly. So that means you take your, your physical self to the work and the activity that the Lord is saying is right for that season. You have to be present, spirit, <laughs> soul, and body. Amen. Your mind has to be on what the Lord is talking about. Your physical body has to be in the right location and your spirit needs to be in alignment with him. Right. So everything has to be going or we need to diligently put forth effort to bring our entire being exactly where the Lord tells us to be. Um, In verse one, it says, but David remained at Jerusalem. So that's not where David was supposed to be. And then it happened. It just happened Hmm. one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof. And there was the woman bathing. Now, that seems like a coincidence, but we're going to talk about some things that let us know that that absolutely wasn't. So before we go to our next um, springboard scripture, I want to take a look over at Luke chapter four, verse 13. Because you have a call on your life and a destiny that God has set before you, the adversary is going to hate you. He already does hate you. And the more you press in to the things of God, the more you allow God to work through you, the more you position yourself to be that elite warrior who is like our Lord and our Lord and Savior who destroyed the works of the devil. As you go about doing that and you position yourself, the devil is going to seek opportunity against you to dismantle and to render ineffective, to sideline 
you and your ability to rule over him. We've talked about that. You've heard me say that in previous episodes because you need to be aware of it, not afraid of it, but aware of it so that you see the bigger field that you're on. The field of God called you is not so just so you can look good. It's not just so that we can feel important or special or have these moments where everybody's carrying us on their shoulders, but it's so that God can get the glory out of your life. He's strategically placing his elite force to do acts in his name that no one else will because they're not ready. They're distracted with other things. They've just said no. I mean, a myriad of reasons, but he's placing themselves before the Lord. Amen. But he's putting you there so he can use you just like he strategically placed Christ in the earth at the moment that he came into the natural flesh at the moment he died on the cross at the moment he was raised again. It was all strategic by our father in heaven so that he could continue working his plan. So we need to take it as seriously as he does, but also be aware that the adversary is looking for opportunity. Um, in Luke chapter four, verse 13, Um, This is describing another account describing Jesus being tempted in the wilderness after he um, was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, there's a key verse, verse 13, that we're going to read. We're not going to read that whole section, but let's just read verse 13 to understand this. Okay. It says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he left him, that's Jesus, until an opportune time. And some versions may say until a more opportune time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Grab a hold of that. Not just with your mind, but think about this and put it down in your spirit. This is our Lord and Savior that the adversary was looking for an entry point. He was looking for a way in. And then he, he came up against the Lord. The Lord defeated him. And he said, that's okay. I'll wait till he's weaker. 40 days of not eating <laughs> isn't <laughs> right. enough. I, I need this one to be a little bit weaker and I'll try mm-hmm. again. Even though Jesus is the living word of God, even though he is God almighty in flesh, even though he is the Lord and master of all creation, the master who created Satan, uh, not in the form of Satan, but he created Lucifer, literally created Lucifer. It still did not stop the devil from trying again. And that's what we need to wrap our heads around because sometimes we're like, woohoo, we won in this arena. And then we go home and take our armor off and we put our weapons away and we get back, relax on the couch and put our arms behind our head and our feet up and we eat bonbons and we're watching TV and we just neglect the fact that the adversary is waiting for you to do that very thing so he can come in to. For the, uh, the second <laughs> uh, wave of the attack. Exactly. He does not, he does not go away because the adversary already knows that his time is short. He already knows that his time and he will be going to the lake of fire, rest assured. So he's incessant and he's persistent, but we need to be equally persistent on being vigilant. Okay. Let's go back to Matthew 26, um, verse 16 real quick. And I have that already pulled up. Uh, Back to Okay. Yes, I just went backwards in the scripture. Oh, a gotcha. bit. Please okay. pardon me. Was... Um, Matthew 26, verse 16 just says this and says, So from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, this is referencing Judas after he had already conspired to betray Jesus. And so he was looking for an opportunity. But because we've already read through the gospels, we know that at one point Satan entered him, right? He agreed with mm-hmm. the Pharisees 
and the high priests and the Sadducees and scribes to betray Jesus. So he was already walking on and he had determined to um, turn his back on the Lord. But now he was looking for an opportunity. And we've talked about already that the people aren't the problem it's the spirit behind it. So it's also recognized this. Um, Judas chose to be used and cooperate with the plan of the adversary. He willingly against the Lord. That's right. Just like the, I'll say the Judas in the garden, the serpent. Right. The it, garden. it wasn't just the people's plan. That was the adversary's plan, and he well, was he using was all those different people and groups in order to carry out his plan. Absolutely, but it was Satan that was behind it, Amen. looking for an opportune time. So it's not a coincidence that the same kind of language was used there, whether it was referencing literally the devil or someone being used by the devil, the reason they're talking the same or the language is the same to describe it is because it's the same spirit behind it. So we have to be aware and make ourselves impenetrable to that, impenetrable to that. Here's why. God is doing his part. It's us who has the decision to remain or not to remain. So there are some key things that weaken our effectiveness or weaken our strength as warriors. First of all, it's disobedience, offense, unforgiveness, lack of self-control, lack of diligence, stubbornness, and any disposition that is opposite of the fruit of the spirit, whether it's blatant and intentional, or it's, oh, I didn't think I was doing that, Lord, seemingly superficially unintentional, and unrepentant sin. Those are all things that get in the way of our effectiveness as warriors for the Lord. So let's go back. Uh, now go back again <laughs> to second Samuel. Now let's go to second Samuel. Scripture, yes. um, and we're going to look at verse 12. We can move forward to verse 12 verses one through 15. Oh, you mean chapter 12? Yes, I do. I'm sorry. Okay. Second no Samuel 12 verses one through 15. All right. It says, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and said, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom, and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb, fourfold, because he did this thing and has had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart your house, 
because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise uh, yes, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because of this, because by this deed, you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Okay. Now let's go over and read the beginning part of Job chapter one. Let's see. What verses you want? Start with verse um, six. And then, oh, let's see. Read the verse 12. Okay. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to read First Peter 5, 8, just to kind of bring this all together. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You have a precious calling on your life, and the Lord has placed you here to do specific things for his purpose and on his behalf. He is looking with expectation, confident expectation, to receive a harvest from what he's placed in you. He's placed the sword and the shield. He's Uh, the sword in your hand and the shield on your arm. He's placed the belt of truth around your waist. He's placed the breastplate of righteousness upon you and the helmet of salvation. He's covered your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace because he has an expectation that you will rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus, that you will put the devil under your feet, that you will cast him out of every place and every situation that God has sent you to, that you will destroy the works of the devil, just like your Lord and Savior and your master, King Jesus Christ himself has already done. The the Lord of all creation expects that to come forth from you. And there is an adversary that would love to sideline you that would love to stop you from doing just that. And in David's life, we can see by looking at David 
And then looking at what happened in Job, God isn't the one who was looking to tear David down. And when it talks about in the, in second Samuel chapter 12, when it talked about, um, starting in verse 10 through, um, verse 12, that was the consequence of his sin. Now the adversary was going to come and do that, right? Because we looked at Job and we saw what the adversary tried to do. You do it against them, God. But the Lord's like, no, it's in your hands because that's how it works. The adversary is the one who brought the calamity in Job's life, not God. Mm-hmm. So the adversary set up this whole scenario. Oh, David, you don't need to go to war. You're tired. Oh, haven't you been running all this time? And look, now you should sit back and enjoy it. It was not a coincidence that that woman was up there at that hour and that they were in such proximity. If he could see her, then she could see him. And we've all been a place where you're like, man, it feels like somebody's watching me. Especially if you were (laughs) unclothed, you would have a, a particular guard on whether or not someone could see you. So that was an, an opportunity that the adversary orchestrated to ensnare David and to steal the blessing and the calling from David's life. But because David positioned himself outside of obedience to the instruction and the counsel and the purpose and the will of God, he was subject to it. That first line of defense of being where God told you to be doing what God told you to do. He took it away from himself. David did. Mm-hmm. And then he proceeded. He had a chance to stop any of those other times up until sleeping with the woman and then killing her husband. He had a chance to turn away each time from those things, but yet he chose not to. So I, I, I love what you're, what you're sharing for all of us to understand. And there's another, another point that we have to, also understand with this you know we we've been looking at david and bathsheba right mm-hmm. and, and it's something that you have brought up multiple times in this study how did you not see this right her name is bathsheba right? <laughs> right. it might have been pronounced differently in hebrew <laughs> right. but man it's like right in her name bath in her name right no. so but <laughs> but the lord name gives names and there's always meaning behind it bathsheba literally means daughter of the oath, right? So it means Mm -hmm. there's a vow that's been made, Mm -hmm. right? So um, the Lord says it in multiple ways, right? Uh, You shouldn't join yourself to a prostitute. You shouldn't do any of these. But here for Bathsheba's part, she did not uphold her vow because she was already married. Mm -hmm. But then you can look at it and say, well, as a result, David now made a vow. Mm -hmm. And someone may argue, oh, well, but... What did David say to make a vow? No, it's in word and deed. Mm-hmm. What vow did Adam make that he gave up, abdicated his place, the authority that was given mm-hmm. him? He didn't. He ate. He did a deed, an action, and, a fruit, mm-hmm. and in so doing now sowed and, and gave up his authority. I'll his say he place. signed a contract. When he exactly. ate that fruit, he signed a contract. Exactly. So, so for us to understand, it's it's not just our words. It's the Lord knows the thoughts and intents or intentions of the heart. Mm-hmm. So, what are we doing in and through our our actions? Right. We're to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Yes, saying what He says to say and doing what He does. 
Amen. And you are a prize to our Lord and Savior, Amen. to our King. Treat yourself that way. Look at this with the importance that God places upon it. Because David had also received a word from the Lord about the Messiah coming Amen. through his line. And about how blessed he was going to be. But then in one moment, gave it all away. And, and actually, and, it was a, there was a sequence of moments that he pursued and proceeded to give it all away. But you think about it, it was not worth what he gave up or what and, he got out of this situation. And, and a sword in his own household and his own household trying to overthrow him. Amen. So understand this. The armor of God does not fail. Because it was created by God, it has his, his character behind it. God does not fail. Love does not fail. God is love. Let's make those connections. God Amen. is love. Love never fails. Therefore, <laughs> ipso facto, God never fails. Amen. And he gave us armor that was made in his kingdom by his name, his breath, his life, made his ar- this armor that he gave to us. It does not fail. But humans do. And it's our business to understand it and look at it with um, clarity, sobriety, not being drunk, not being dis- deluded mm-hmm. by this. To go, oh, it's okay. It's not that big deal, right? The man and woman in the garden said, well, what's the big deal? It's just one piece of fruit. It's, what is it really going to matter? Well, no. And as I said, they signed a contract when they ate that fruit to be subject to all the acts and the curse that comes with flesh being unsubmitted to God. They, they agreed to it when they took mm-hmm. the fruit. Now they may not have saw it like that, but God told them, he warned them and he gave them enough information to make a decision. So you may not see all the fullness of reasons why God's called you, why he selected you, why he loves you, why he wants you to walk up right before or, him. Or the weight but he that is does. associated with that. Amen. Or the, the consequence mm-hmm. and, or the, great reward that comes with you being faithful to him, but he does. So the armor doesn't fail because God created it, but your ability to function with the armor and cause it to work properly in your life fails or diminishes when you weaken yourself. Let's take a look at second Samuel 21 verses 12 through 22. All right. It says, Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the open square of Bethshot, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines struck down Saul in Gilboa. He brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin in Zelah the grave of Kish, his father. Thus they did all that the king commanded, and after that God was moved by prayer for the land. Now when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David went down and his servants with him, and they fought against the Philistines. David became uh, weary. Then Ishbi Benab, who was among the descendants of the giant, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels of bronze in weight, was girded with a new sword, and he intended to kill David. But Abishai, the son of uh, Zeruiah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us to battle, 
so that you do not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Now when it came about after this, that there was war again with the Philistines at Gob, then Sibachai, the Hushathite, struck down Saph, who was among the descendants of the giant. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob, and Elhanan, the son of jer Orgin, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was war at Gath again, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number. And he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Okay, so verse 17 tells us something about David that God never meant or intended to happen. Mm-hmm. He was rendered ineffective. That's right. He, the, his valor, his strength had been altered and swayed. And David never really recovered from the crime that he committed against the Lord. Yes, he was forgiven. Oh. Yeah, he was a tactician. Still, he knew the battle plans. Why? Because just like in his whole, his whole life, he, he knew the Lord's voice, knew how to hear him, and could, and could receive the plan and state what the plan was, the tactics that were ready and, and to lead from victory to victory because they came from the Lord. But he was not able now to carry them out. Absolutely. His conscience condemned him. And mm-hmm. you could see, if you go back and read, all after the, the time that Nathan met him um, in Second Samuel chapter 12, through to this point, you'll see that he had incest take place, rape, incest, um, murder, or incestuous rape, I'll say it like that, incestuous Mm -hmm. rape, murder, um, being chased away by his son, his son having inappropriate relations with his wives and his concubines while David was on the run. And David was just not the same man that we saw prior to this issue with Bathsheba. If you look at, just watch his life from beginning to to the end point, and he actually died a lot earlier than he should have. Mm He was weakened after that sin with Bathsheba. And not that God didn't forgive him, not that maybe he could have recovered, but he was so wounded by the fact that he betrayed God like that, it became evident. And they were like, David, you can't even, you're actually a hindrance to us at this point. Go home and sit down and, you know, we'll we'll take care of the rest. Just rule from the palace. Absolutely. But when you compare David to Moses... Joshua, right? Caleb, Caleb was an eighty-five-year-old man, and he was like, "I'm as strong today as I was." He was outrunning twenty-year and forty-year-old. He was the first person to make it up the the hill or that mountain. Absolutely, <laughs> saying, "Give me that mountain," and they did not have the call to be bring forth the lineage of the Messiah through mm-hmm. their line, and they weren't birthed specifically to be God's warrior, but David was. And so, what we're saying to you, and you might go, you might. Hopefully you take this counsel wisely and you don't brush it off and go, well, they're different people. But Or God just is, say, oh, well, well, David still accomplished so much and he still valiantly as a warrior defended and brought about much freedom and liberty 
and, and brought about peace for his son's time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in addition to that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, he didn't go out the way that God wanted him to go out. I'll say it that mm-hmm. way. By the time he was in his 70s, he couldn't keep himself warm. I mean, the, he was written about as though he were over, well over 100 and something and just shriveled, not shriveled, but a, a frail old man trying to stay warm from someone else's body heat. If that's where someone is, you know, not, not finding any fault with that, but that's not what God had for David. And it was hard for him to recover after he betrayed what the Lord had done in his life and mm-hmm. what the Lord had done for him. And after he gave that opportunity to the adversary, which we read in Second um, Samuel chapter 12, that you gave occasion to the adversaries to blaspheme. And what also he was saying is you gave the devil access to touch the blessing that I put in your life. Mm-hmm. And then later on, the kingdoms were taken from David's line and um, divided Right. And he, he, he fulfilled, thank God, he fulfilled the Messiah coming through the line of David. However, David did not have to be weakened. He could have been like Moses and just said, the Lord said, Hey, come on up here, (laughs) get up here and come home. And he could have laid down full of strength, full of vigor with perfect eyesight and everything that God wanted for him and just went home to be with the Lord. So the adversary is out for a purpose. Don't mistake that. And it's your job not to give him access because God had already told David, here's what I have for you. I'm going to do all these wonderful things through your life and I'm going to bless you. And I have so much in store for you. Take care of, tend and keep what I gave you. The same instruction that he gave to man and woman in the garden, tend and keep what I gave you because God only gives what's good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So if there's difference, then if we're seeing something different in our life than that, it's because we have deviated, not him, which the, the next point to what can cause a weakness to your effectiveness as a warrior is accusing the character of God. Don't accuse his character. Always see him rightly. Always exalt the character, the steadfastness, the nature of God and his love for you. Don't doubt his love. Don't doubt his motives. Don't doubt his desire or his ability concerning you. Always know that he wants to. His, he said, yes, he's willing to um, take care of you, bless you, love you, use you um, for his purpose to manifest himself to you. He's willing. If he weren't willing, he would not have sent his son to die. He would not have called you if he wasn't already willing. And he would not have done those first steps if he hadn't already prepared a place for you. So don't ever, 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 don't ever, (laughs) I rarely use absolutes, but don't doubt God and his character. Not for one moment. Not for one second. Be like Job. That's in Job 122. It says, in spite of everything that... Job experienced when the enemy was attacking him. Mm-hmm. It says in Job one twenty two, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Amen. He held him in a right place, as we all must do the same. Amen. But that that is also something that makes us trustworthy to the Lord. If as soon as something goes wrong, someone's mouth is going, "Oh, it's your fault, God." It's your fault. You did this to me, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blank. That person is not trustworthy to the Lord, right? 
But the person that realizes that there's an adversary and attributes right actions to the right um, perpetrator, mm-hmm. <laughs> God, if it's good, it came from God. If it's bad, it came from the devil. And if you're experiencing bad, it's because you've connected yourself to the adversary some way you've left the door open. So we just close the door and we renounce those things. But every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if you read through Job, you'll find out at the end, the Lord asked Job to um, intercede for his friends because they had not spoken rightly about him. They attributed wrongdoing to God that, well, God did this to you because you were wrong, Job. And in their heart, they may have thought that they were counseling Job to say Job was wrong, but because they took the liberty to go, well, God is doing the, he's judging you because you must have done something wrong somewhere. They didn't zoom out and see the big picture that no, it wasn't God doing that. It was God who had blessed him. And it was the devil who was stealing or um, causing that destruction in Job's life. But Job, he lamented his, it was hard for him. He mourned that, Mm -hmm. but he didn't say, God, you did this to me. God, you're doing it for some unknown reason to me. He didn't enter into that vein, but Job's friends, even though they sounded spiritual, they sounded pious. They spoke wrong against the father in heaven because they assumed that God was punishing Job and he was not. It was the adversary. And then in Job's case, he let us know that the thing that he feared came upon him. The thing that he feared greatly came upon him. So he opened the door to the adversary. And because As a result of fear. That's right. Fear connects you to the curse. Mm -hmm. Faith connects you to the blessing. And fear is the wicked side of faith, right? If if you were believing for something Currency of the evil kingdom. Exactly. That's fear. Faith is a currency of God's kingdom. That's why he says, fear not. So many times throughout the word, fear not. Don't be afraid. I'm with Mm -hmm. you. Um, but Job's fear gave the devil access and God had to grant it. Now, because Job was faithful, God was able to put limitations on what the adversary could do. But because of the spiritual law that you are, you and I are free and moral agents, we get to make our own choice. God is obligated to abide by that. But, and he's still gracious and merciful. And as we are strategic warriors, we're learning to, Use the grace of God appropriately and not have to apply it to those little situations because we're taking care of it ourselves in regards to we're keeping the devil out. We're not giving the adversary a foothold. We are avoiding the things that weaken our strength um, and our effectiveness as warriors so that we can go forward unhindered into the things of God. Well, that's all we have on this episode today. Um, Please take a moment and go back and listen. If you... um, you know, if this is your first time joining us, I definitely recommend that you go back and start at the beginning of the basic training, the God's Warriors basic training series, and then progress forward. That way you're all the way caught up to date and you have a a proper foundation um, and starting place as you grow in your walk with the Lord and Savior and um, moving into your place as his elite warrior and the elite force that he's building in these, these last days. Also, if you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, by all means, we have other podcasts that address different topics so that the believer is well-rounded. We are warriors, absolutely. And there are other needs and other things that we have in life that God is also preparing us for. So by all means, check out our website, adayofprayer.org and look at our podcasts that we have and take a listen, share it with others. 
And I just wanted to thank you for being here with us today. We always appreciate being a part of your walk with Jesus Christ. We're praying for you. And remember, live your life in the Messiah's love. God bless you. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe.